And we're live on Game Changers with me, Vicki Abelson. And my guest today is the glittering, gorgeous, golden Rudely. Ruda, I am sitting here in awe of you. You are so, such a liar. Golden, <laughs> glittering. Look at this. Usually I am in rhinestones and things. Today I'm in my sweats because I figure we're at home where everybody else is at home. That's right. Comfortable. And I am so happy to be with you, my darling Vicki. Miss Abelson, you are a delicious dream. <laughs> Thank you for bringing me into your show and into your life. Thank you. You are so, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really like, I'm, I'm having a girl cry. <laughs> Good. I, I am just so taken by you. And I, I am such a fan and of your work and of you as a humanitarian, as a philanthropist, as an author. Before we go anywhere, we have to, we have to talk about how did you get the title? Consider yourself. You're asking. You're asking. Yes. We may have to worry about the title if it goes into foreign translations, because I'm of Lithuanian descent. And there simply is no charming funny, adorable way to say, kiss your ass. You know, it just comes out differently. But uh, the, it's an expression, as you may know, that I have used simply because I've headed up one way or another with Debbie Reynolds and right. my the Thalians, which is Hollywood for mental health for God over 60 years now. And every time somebody gave me five bucks or 50 bucks or 500,000 bucks, I would automatically say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Consider your ass kissed. Oh. And our mutual friend, George Pinocchio, who is the red carpet man for ABC television, is like one of my kids. And he said to me one day, Ruta, if you ever finish this friggin' book that you've been <laughs> writing for the last 10 years, you have to use Consider Your Ass Kissed as the title. And I have, and it's wonderful. Now, there are some places in this wonderful country of ours that will not let me use the title. And I keep thinking, Consider Your Beep Beep Kissed is a lot dirtier than Consider Your Ass Kissed. And I keep saying, if Jesus could ride into Jerusalem on his ass, I can kiss. So now, Ruta, did you have trouble with your with the publisher over the title? Did they with the publisher? Not at all, Vicky. They are wonderful. Britain Publishing, they were wonderful, and I, I really don't think they changed anything except maybe the spelling of something or a you know a punctuation. They made a few too. You know, I, I'm discovering that that uh, the editors in all of the mainstream publishers are not all perfection. I don't care how many times they read it. But um, they didn't give me any trouble at all. The only trouble I had is from very, very uh, Southern, uh, very Baptist, you know, oriented communities right. where television station will not say, consider your ass kissed. It's consider your beep kissed. But if you, when you go on mainstream TV, it hasn't been a problem. No, not no. at all. Uh, that's wonderful. Well, I guess we've, we've evolved. Maybe 20 years ago, you might have had a problem with that. Time. Well, when you stop and think of what you're hearing, uh, I mean, ask, what, what does that really mean? It, it, there's nothing dirty or awful about it, you know? Um, 
So I, I, I'm not going to worry about it. I keep saying, if you put this out on a counter with a lot of other major books, that title is going to grab. Absolutely. But you know, these days they're not, they don't print books in, in reams and put it on shelves. You have to order and order and order. And uh, I've been going through that with both uh, uh, Amazon, of course, that's quick. They can get it out to you in a hurry. Right. But Barnes you know you have to go in and order now you of course know because you're in this in the showbiz community here uh that larry edmonds in in hollywood they are not just a bookstore they are right. kind of a memorabilia store you know yes, and they, 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 are. they would so well so they're very good about getting orders and then bringing the books up to me and i sign them you know i fantastic I sign to the person so that's kind of a nice thing that's lovely. And so if people want to get a signed book, Ruta, what, what can they do to do that? Well, I would suggest that they go right to uh, Larry, Larry Edmonds. Uh, and as yeah. to otherwise, it, yes, LarryEdmonds.com uh, or call, you know, if you're in right. our community. Here. If you're in uh, East Oshkosh, then I'm afraid you'd have to find it find me online, send it to me, and I'll send it back signed. I or know. invite me to your house for dinner. And I'll... <laughs> if you have a glass of wine, you'll really get me there. <laughs> so, Ruta, did it really take, because it took me 13 years from start to publish. Did it really take 10 years? How long were you working on your book? Uh, easily, well, at least at least seven, when we actually decided to do it. And the, and the way it happened was, my very dear friend, Barry Rogers, who's one of the ace publicists in Texas. And of course, Casa Manana is my favorite theater in the world. And I played mm. there for 45 years. And uh, so whenever I came into town, I hit the, the television stations in Dallas and in Fort Worth and uh, all the way around, you know. And uh, he'd say, you know, you have such wonderful stories to tell being in show business as long as you've been in it and growing up in it. and all of that and, and you know, you share your stories and you, they really should go into print. They should be in a book. And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know what he did? He came out on his own mm -hmm. to Southern California from Dallas and Fort Worth, uh -huh. sat down with me in my living room and took a recording of everything that I ever talked about. Anything that I thought would be of interest, wow. story of my past. Of course, in this recording, which he now transposed and brought into print, had it all done, he caught every burp, every, I have to go to the bathroom now, every phone ring, every dog bark, every fart, every anything. Right? And, and all of that had to come out, you know, in the transcription. But amazingly enough, then Judy and he and I would sit week after week on weekends when he would come out and we would piece together this is good but it belongs over here with this or this story about Frank Sinatra belongs in its own chapter rather than being something else and and that's that was the hard part now you've written a book maybe more I only know about don't jump that's the one look at did you, you have, did you have the same trouble of deciding where everything is going to go and and how Ruta, to it took me 13 years. It, <laughs> it took me 13 years because I kept 
if if they gave me a sharpie and put me in Amazon right now, I'd still be changing words because ah, I yes. right yes. letting go was really hard. Very but, and, hard. And throwing, uh, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I had a wonderful editor that helped me put things in the right places and figure out where they should go because I moved a lot of stuff around. And I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a book and I'm ordering your book today. I'm so excited. And I'm gonna order yours. No, 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 don't. Send it to me. I'll buy it. No, we no, no. Well, and I'm and I'll invite you to my house for dinner, but it's COVID, so I'll take you out to dinner and have you. <laughs> okay. But, Either uh, way, I love it. And I was saying to you before we went on the air, I had the the privilege, the honor, and the thrill to to meet Debbie. I I have a literary salon that was in my home, where Carl Reiner and Gary Marshall and Cloris Leachman, all these people came, and you were gonna come. I was talking to Harlan about you and your book before. The, the oh, lights went out. Yes, we were going to schedule you to read in my living room. And so I was going somewhere with this that I can't remember. What were we talking about? Anyway, so. We're talking about me, Debbie, and that she so, came to your, your and salon. So I went to, to chase Debbie when her book came out to get her to do. And I went to, um, ho, the, there was a Hollywood books fair. And, and I went there and she was the filthiest, bawdiest, <laughs> funniest woman not woman person i have ever heard and you are right there with her you are you're you're like soul uh, sisters you two she uh we we were soul sisters <clears throat> in many ways uh isn't it interesting that she who has dedicated her entire life first it was the girl scouts which she never forgot you know mm. when she was a little girl herself and she supported, and then she became one of the big muckamucks with the Thalians, you know. How did, was, how did that happen, Ruta? How did you the guys Thalian? Yeah. Let me tell you, it, I'm so proud of it because it was all started by a group of young actors in Hollywood, young up-and-coming stars, and the people in the industry around them, directors, producers, agents, managers, you know. Mm -hmm. And they got tired of being called pot smoking, hard drinking, <laughs> sex minded assholes who have nothing to contribute to society. My people. And they, your people, exactly. <laughs> and they said, you know, we, we hang around the piano, sing and have drinks and party and carry on. Why don't we put something together, put it on a stage, invite people to come, sell tickets and raise money for a charity, do something. So they sent out Jane Mansfield and Mamie Van Doren, wow. the boob queens of America, <laughs> right? They've got to be 96B. Oh my God. I, I, they're, they're just amazing. Anyway, to find a charity. And they both came back to the next meeting saying, well, all the good diseases have been taken. <laughs> But they found a doctor who was dealing with emotionally disturbed children. Mm. And he said that an emotionally disturbed child is like a flawed apple in a barrel. It will contaminate the whole barrel, the whole community, the whole family, if it's not helped and taken care of. Wow. And that's how we got to be the Thalians, because Thalia was a Greek goddess, the goddess of comedy. And she right. also took care 
of the straying lambs. And so it seemed like the Thalians was a wonderful name for this group. And mental health became our delicious mantra that we wanted it for everybody. And mental health is a disease that's always been a hidden disease. Nobody ever wanted to talk about it. There's so much shame. It's all shame. You got it. It's always hidden in the closet, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, God bless us Thalians because we came along with our bright Hollywood Klieg light, the spotlight, and we shone that into that dark, ugly abyss that is mental illness and hope to bring it all into the light of healing with music and with humor and with laughter and with everything that Hollywood has going for it, being mostly mentally ill anyway, uh, we we knew what it was all about. And so I'm very proud of the fact that we've raised millions and millions of dollars. We built the first building that went in at Cedar sinai which was called the Thalians Community Mental Health Center. It no longer is a community mental health center. They have discovered it to Cedar sinai which is a, a stunningly good hospital. Right. I'm not crazy about the people who run it because they have decided that mental health doesn't bring the money that cancer does or diabetes does oh, or my. live problems do. So they took the building from us and it is no longer the mental health center. So at that point, Vicki, we said, uh-huh. And a friend of mine, Henry Gluck, God bless him, came to me and said, you know, you people have done so much for mental health. Why don't you come join us at UCLA and it's Operation MEND. Operation MEND heals the broken and fractured bodies of our returning veterans. Those beautiful young people that we send all over the world and put in harm's way and somehow fall through the cracks being taken care of when they return to home. And so we joined them. They take care of the broken bodies. We Thalians are doing something about healing the broken mind and spirit. And I'm so proud of this group of crazy young actors. All of us are crazy old actors now, (laughs) those of us who are still alive. And we've done so much for mental health. And Vicki, I've got to tell you, it is such a blessing to have someone walk up to me, whether I'm at the market or in a restaurant or in a saloon somewhere and tap me on the shoulder and say, thanks to you and the Thalians, my child is no longer an addict. Oh my. Drugs. Thanks to you, my mother, who was going into senility and everything, is helped. Thanks to you. That. Wow. That is such a reward, you know, uh, that it's, it's better than, well, maybe not quite as good as cash being thrown at me, but, <laughs> but not bad, not bad. Ruta, were your parents civic-minded? Because you're so civic-minded. Were were you raised in that, or is this something you came to later? Not at all. Not at all. My parents came from the old country, from Mm -hmm. Lithuania. Right. My my mother's family, I mean, she carried her shoes to church every Sunday because they had to be passed down to the next girl and the next girl. They were poor. I mean, if they had a cow, that made them... The, the millionaires in their neck of the woods. Right. 
and they got the money together to send my father. The, the quotas were closed to come into the United States in 29, is I believe when he came. And uh, so he was able to go into Canada by signing up to work in the wheat fields in Saskatchewan for a year. And he saved his money and then went back to Montreal where there was a tiny established Lithuanian community. And he brought my mother right. over and eventually that's where I was born. And um, my mother listened to my, uh, not even grade school, my preschool teacher, mm -hmm. Mrs. Jackson, who said to my mom, Mary, your daughter is a little different from all the other kids in my classes. <laughs> she shines when we put her on the stage to do something. Give her lessons, give her music lessons. Give I have her to dance. stop you for one second because Judy Diamond just said, said right now she wrote on Facebook, I must say you put a camera in front of Ruta and she shines. Those exact, oh. those exact words oh. and you do, and you do. Judy, dear, consider your ass kissed. <laughs> you do, you shine. Anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted your story. So anyway, so my mother, of course, did that. And, and she put me into little amateur shows where we lived in, in uh, near Montreal, Verdun, which is an adjunct to Montreal. Were you and speaking French, Ruda, or were you speaking English? I, I spoke a few words of French, but it was mostly English. Mm -hmm. But at home, it was Lithuanian. Wow. Lithuanian was my first language. Wow. And and so every once in a while I'd I'd win the amateur show, you know, and, and 10 bucks and a watch or something. <laughs> and and I just thought that that was just priceless. And my mother felt that I was her and Lithuania's answer to Shirley Temple. And therefore, she didn't know anything about the theater, Vicky. She didn't know from the New York stage or that was the place to be for a, you know, a stage baby like myself. Right. But she knew about the movies. And so by hook or by crook, because it was not easy after World War II to get a visa again to come into the United States because they all went to the displaced persons in Europe. But either her prayers or God's will was to get me to Hollywood because we did get a visa and we did come to Southern California and I did wind up through, thank God, my mother's efforts, who was not a showbiz mother at all. And your question had nothing to do with this. I am your loving question. this question because now I want to know. So in other words, the whole family moved to L.A. was to get my you into showbiz. My mother and father is both family. My mother well, and, and father and a parrot. <laughs> and, that, and that, but the intention was for you to yes. be in show business. Yes, absolutely. Wow. And, and she put me into dance classes here and they they were taught by um oh my god who, who was married to uh oh you know the part of getting older that's a pain in the ass is <laughs> forgetting names um paul williams says 12 seconds and i ain't waiting and he keeps going <laughs> and then and then it comes to you right it comes to you after exactly right exactly right well anyway I went to dance classes and I went to Eugene Loring's dance class. And amazingly enough, I wound up with him as a choreographer in, in the, one of the films that I did for Stanley Donan, who was the wow. uh, director of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which was my very first movie. And, and wow, what a, 
Yeah. What a place to start an Academy Award nomination. You asked yeah. if my parents were were uh, involved in philanthropy and and you know, were were they involved in city politics or anything? No. They they of course were philanthropic with their church and with people that needed help. Mm-hmm. They were very philanthropic with their time. They uh, would always stop to give you the time to do this or to bring you over or to pick you up or to give you housing or anything wow. like that. They were very, very good at that. But they worked too hard to save a few dollars to be able to buy a house or to give me my dancing lessons to just dole it out. So they of gave course. their time. But that's philanthropy maybe that's maybe even more important than so. writing a check. I think so. Um, so, so you studied dance starting at what age? Because you were in the movie, that movie. 11. 11. 12, uh-huh, 13. And did you and study then, voice as well? No, I did not know that I could sing until I did my first stage musical which was while I was still in high school, never thought of myself as a singer. To start with, you hear me, I have a very deep baritone voice. Well, when I was younger, it wasn't quite as deep. But in high school, I I sang, you know, in the choir, I I went to Hollywood High and I sang the baritone part, you know, in in the choir, which is kind of interesting. Baritone, really? Wow. Uh, and then I, I worked in a theater called the Gallery Stage, which was the sister to the Players Ring in Hollywood, which became quite famous because lots of people worked there and became stars uh, with their, their first steps on stage in one of these theaters. And I did uh, On the Town, a musical there, and I was in the chorus and sang, but I never had a lead part, you know. And then I auditioned for a play in San Bernardino for the Civic Light Opera. And believe it or not, I sang. And it was very interesting because uh, I I didn't think I could do it, but I did. And uh, it it was a, a great beginning. And then I realized I could. And the best part of working in the business and being recognized uh, as a name that might sell tickets, you know, when your name goes above the title, Hell yeah. things really change because I really struggled for many, many years as an entertainer, hearing from the conductor and therefore the music arranger for whatever show I was in. Oh no, we can't change the key. It would be too low for the orchestra. It has to be done in the original key or close to it. And I was forever getting Larry laryngitis. Why? Because I was singing way beyond my reach when it came to the keys. When my title, suddenly the title was below my name, I said, no, change the key. I don't care. (laughs) I no longer get laryngitis. I sing everything now in the key of L. At least it sounds like L. And I sing in Carol Channing's key. Fantastic. And it's just great. So I can keep doing her shows all the time. Love that. Love that. So, okay. So you started out doing theater. How did you segue? How did your mother get you from theater? I know that one of the first things you did was uh, George Burns and Gracie Allen. You did their show. I know there was a Superman in there and there were, Oh yeah. how how did you make that transition to, to, to screen? Well, I, 
had an agent, thank God. Um, how'd you, how'd I, you get an agent? Okay, so this is interesting. Uh, we found a, an old character actress whose name was Laura Kaisley Brooks. And Laura was, you know, five feet by five feet. <laughs> and, and she was, she taught. I was her only child student. The rest were all young adults and, right. and people. And she would uh, have us do scenes and she would put together a package of entertainment and she would take a hotel room somewhere. Mostly she used the studio club, which was very famous, you know, for all the young actresses that lived there. They had a, a great big theater that they could use and, and she would rent that. And she would muster up everybody in the business, agents, uh, producers, directors, anybody that she could gather to come and see her students do their scenes. And I was, I think, innately a good actress. As a child, you know, I could summon up the tears and do a scene without any effort at all. Did you ever and study that, Ruta? Did you ever study acting? No. no. Well, I studied it with her. Okay. You know, I'd come yeah. and do scenes with her and she would guide me a little bit, you know. But this is, how old were you at this point when you're doing that with her? Oh, 12. Oh, so you are young. 11, okay, yeah. 12, into 13, you know, right in there. And uh, Ivan Kahn was the name of the head of talent for 20th Century Fox. And amazingly enough, he didn't come, but he sent his secretary to see what was going on. And she went back to Ivan Khan and said, this girl, and my name was Ruta Kilmonis. I didn't have Lee then. This right. girl, Ruta Kilmonis, could be 20th's answer, be the young to be trained and Baxter. Wow. They saw me, or he saw me. Wow. So he had me come in and they put me under contract, contract, you know, a dollar 98, I think they gave me. <laughs> and they assigned to me one of the coaches. I didn't get the one that helped Marilyn Monroe. I, I got a woman. Well, I'll name her. What the hell? I, I never speak ill of the dead, but I will her. <laughs> As Betty Davis said about, about Joan Crawford. Never speak ill of the dead. She's dead. Good, she's dead. Uh, anyway, uh, this woman named Helena Sorrell had this red, red hair and this white, white face and these long red, red nails. And I think I didn't recognize it at the time because she would give me a scene and it was always some fluffy little piece of caca, you know, <laughs> or <laughs> And that's not where my talent lay, you know? I mean, I could do it, but that's not where the blood and guts were. And I was too young and too stupid to know that I was being manipulated. And finally, after about, I'd come in at the end of the week and, and she'd say, no, I don't like that. Let's try something else. And I'd go home and learn it all and come back. No, I don't like that. And this went on for weeks. Wow. And finally she wrote some piece of crap. And I learned it. He dressed me up and I did my screen test. Well, of course, it didn't mean anything. And of course, Ivan Khan didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew. And I was too young and stupid to complain. So, of course, that was the time when the independents were starting to really blossom in show business. And the big studios were folding up their tent. And so they were getting rid of 
contract people that really didn't mean anything. Thank mm -hmm. God they didn't get rid of Marilyn Monroe because she stayed on. Uh, but to think that, that she was maybe there around the time that I was there, I don't know. That would have been interesting. Wow. But you, uh, you never met Marilyn? I, I did meet her once. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. But okay. back to how I got my agent. So at this particular I have too many questions I, I'm oh, asking questions on my questions I'm so, I'm sorry I don't mean to make you crazy a lovely <laughs> a lovely agent saw me there and uh said fine I'll represent you so he's the one that got me some of the like the the um what's his name Superman and some of those things um the uh the other one that I got on my own was uh when I was doing that musical on the town, one of the producers at the theater was also uh, one of the producers of the Burns and Allen show. So he sent me in and I got to do that show. So that oh, was, wow. I had some really great experiences with some absolutely stunningly wonderful, kind people who maybe didn't physically mentor me, but they did in that they supported me in some way, you know, and it was, it was a wonderful experience. How was it to work with with Burns and Allen? I mean, I can't even. You were very young. Did you appreciate what the talent that was? Yes, because that was a huge show at the time, yes. and the fact that I was on it was was really wonderful. And uh, you know, they rehearsed first and did everything. Uh, it wasn't a three camera show mm -hmm. or a four camera show like Lucille Ball's was, but. Uh, it's it still felt like a little bit of theater, you know, it, it was quite marvelous and what wonderful people to work with. And then he stayed kind of a fan of mine. And I, I'd invite him to come to the Thalians every year and he would come and sit at my table and puff his cigar. He didn't he didn't actually light it, but he puffed it and uh, um. would say, good girl, good girl. You know, he was wonderful. OK, so tell us about meeting Marilyn. Oh, my God. How? Only once did I meet her, I'm sorry to say. And it was when I was shooting with Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis, Peter Lawford, Joey Bishop, the gang up in Kanab, Utah. Sergeant and Three, you have to tell us that Sergeant story. Three, right. Oh, that's a great story. And uh, Frank was giving a birthday party for Dean uh, at the Sahara. No, the Sands, I take it back, at the Sands mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. Uh, the deal had been made while we were shooting that Web, that uh, Frank would play for a week, that uh, Dean would play for a week, that Joey Bishop would play, that Sammy would play. So we flew on one of the planes that Frank provided all the time from Kanab, Utah, the, the half hour, 45 minutes to Las Vegas. We'd go see the opening and then we'd go back for the closing. Then we'd go down for the opening and we'd go back for the <laughs> closing. It was great. So Dean was playing that week, I believe. And it was his birthday. And Frank gave a beautiful party. And it was in the main showroom. And of course, at this table of about, oh, I don't know, 25 or 30 people was the real cognoscenti of Hollywood. Sitting across from me was Elizabeth Taylor, then married to Eddie Fisher. Sitting next to me was Milton Berle. Sitting next to me on the other side was John Wayne. I oh mean, my. it was glorious. And I felt like such a putz because 
<laughs> what a, well, I didn't know that we'd be doing fancy stuff in Las Vegas. So I had a cute little dimity cotton dress, you know, and that was it. It's amazing that I even had a pair of heels. But there I am in my little dress and everybody else is in their fur wraps and their gorgeous sparkles. Wow. And everybody's eye, of course, was on Elizabeth. Until oh, I know you got to do Sweet Bird of Youth with later. Oh, yeah. We'll talk yes. about too. Okay. She was dark. She was very sweet. Always late, but very sweet. But then so was my. Uh, but suddenly, it's like the lights went out in the room and the, and the spotlight hit Marilyn on Frank's arm, walking through wow. the showroom, coming to our table. She had an inner glow. There was something about that girl. Now, now look, let's face it. A spangly sequin dress on that body and a white fox wrap and that oh, platinum oh. hair and that big, beautiful smile. Let's face it, that's pretty overwhelming. Yeah. She took the spotlight away from Elizabeth and it never returned to Elizabeth. Wow. It stayed on her. And I don't mean that someone physically put a light on her. Right. The inner light that she had, it just, it was miraculous, just miraculous. And of course she was as sweet as hell and uh is hell sweet <laughs> as sweet as sugar uh, but but just darling but i i didn't get to know her any more than that that's that's a pretty lovely experience to have had though to have yeah. to ha have had her aura her 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 energy around you yeah lovely yeah um yeah. so tell us about frank and the rat pack how crazy all right i feel like i'm jumping ahead but we'll come back to seven brides for seven brothers so how how did you meet frank and and tell us about working with him well, that's a wonderful story that'll take forever but you can read it in my book i'll give you i'll give you a, a smattering of it okay. um I, I was too young to have experienced the Frank Sinatra craze you know in in new york when he was playing the paramount and whatever and girls right. were fainting and and all of that sort of thing. But I, I was very appreciative of the unrequited love songs that he was recording. Mm. Uh, all those memories of Ava, I think, you know, of, uh, Ava, I should mm. say, Ava Astaire. Uh, not Astaire, Ava is Astaire, Ava Gardner. Uh, and just adored his, his delivery. And I had every album in the car, I, I just loved everything. Anyway, uh, I was invited to see him when he went to reopen the Macombo, which had gone kind of defunct because television had come in and nobody was going to nightclubs anymore. Wow. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mary Morrison, who, uh, whose husband had run the place, uh, prevailed upon Frank and he said, yes, I'll play for a week and then uh, I'll get Dean to come in and then... Uh, uh, anybody, you know, whoever they wanted, Sammy will come in and Victor Moan will come in and see if we can't get the nightclub business again. Well, I was invited by a friend from Palm Springs who was kind of uh, America's host to the opening. And we had a front table for about 10 or 12 people. And um, the stage was filled with Frank's orchestra. And as you know, nightclub stages are very small. Right. And they loaded with his orchestra and Frank was working on a small dais in front of the stage which meant that some of those normally front row people are a little bit in the back behind him now rather than in front you know right so I, I watched him and of course you know better than anybody 
nobody, nobody ever was or will be able to touch his charisma on a stage. I saw his him once. Style, oh. His pizzazz was amazing. Even when he started going into dementia, he still had whatever it took. And I was so captivated by him that I sat there with my mouth hanging open. And a note came around to our host and said, would you bring Miss Lee around to meet me and my wife? And so we went around to meet the gentleman and he held out his hand and he said, hello, my name is Arthur Hornblow Jr. And this is my wife. And I, have, I am doing a movie called Witness for the Prosecution. Fantastic. And because I was a little bit behind Frank, I watched you watch Frank Sinatra. And I thought it was the most unique screen test I gave you. <laughs> I think you'd be a very interesting uh, love interest for my darling leading man. Uh, sure, what's his name? I, all of a sudden I did a blank. Tyrone Power. Tyrone, Tyrone Power. <laughs> well, Tyrone Power. Well, Tyrone Power and um, uh, so come in, can you come in tomorrow and, and meet, uh, or he said, can you come in and meet Billy Wilder? And I said, Billy Wilder is tomorrow too soon. So that's how wow. I got witness for the prosecution. Isn't that amazing? amazing? And then fade out a year or two later. If you know anything about Frank, you know that he loves doing a big Italian dinner at home and inviting his friends over and screening a new movie. And what's the movie they're screening that night? But witness for the prosecution. And Frank says to Howard Koch, who was a director that I'd worked for many times at Warner Brothers. And he was now a partner to Frank in, in their production company. And he said, you know, I've, I've been watching this Ruta Lee chick on television. What do you think about it? And he said, wow, you picked one of my favorites. That's how I got to be the leading lady to Frank Sinatra and Dean and everybody in Sergeant's Three. Now, is that a Hollywood come true story, huh? A dream full, story. Full circle right there. Full circle. And what was it like to work? I mean, those guys and the Rat Pack all together. What, what was that experience like for you? It all seemed so natural when oh. I flew up because they had already started shooting by the time I got there. Uh, and I walked onto the set and Frank welcomed me, you know, with those beautiful blue eyes that are always sparkling and, and his deep, lovely voice and his attitude saying, welcome, baby, you know, <laughs> and enfolded me in his arms. I, I, I didn't know whether to laugh, cry, pee, you know, one <laughs> of the above. And, and all the guys were wonderful with me. And unfortunately for me, they all treated me like their little sister. Oh. Didn't have an affair with any friggin' one of them. <laughs> did, you have, the, did you have a crush on it? Did, was like Frank the one? Was, well, you couldn't help but have a crush on Frank. I had a crush on Dean. I had a crush on Sammy. Had a crush as far as that goes on, on um, uh, what's his face? Uh, Peter. Lofter. Uh, but, but, you know, all the guys were wonderful. And of course he was surrounded by comics and singers from Vegas. The whole cast was, was such fun. 
So it was one continuous laugh and I felt so sorry for our director who had to calm everybody down to do a take. And as you know, <laughs> is famous for being one take uh, Sinatra, which is a bit of an exaggeration, but he did say, I don't care if it takes you all week to set up the shot. After the rehearsal, you are going to get one take and I don't wanna hear the dolly track squeaked. I don't wanna hear a light went out. I don't wanna hear the frame was out of focus. You know, wow. he just made it clear. So, so it was always lots of laughter, lots of hysteria, lots of jokes being played, lots of pranks being pulled. Uh, and one day I filled Frank's room with balloons so he couldn't get into it while he was away, <laughs> which was a very funny idea until those things started popping from the lights during takes. Oh, <laughs> was that a mistake? Oh, oh my gosh. Did, did you, I don't know this about you. I haven't read the book yet, which I will be doing later today. Did you have any, did you ever have a relationship with a leading man? Did, did that ever happen in your life? Nope. I'm sorry to say, I, now I'm sorry to say, but actually no because the leading man that I did have in my life was just so important. I, I dated very, very few actors. And whenever I dated, it was usually for a, a publicity thing. You know, something would happen. I mean, I went out right. with Bob Fuller a couple of times uh, and because the PR people had set up a shoot here, there for a, a screen magazine, you know. And I dated Eric Fleming, who was the co-star on um, Clint's series rawhide mm -hmm. and he was darling and charming and i loved him um but but uh, that's, that's about all i can say when it comes to actors okay but uh, you kissed a lot of actors and a oh, lot okay yeah. so who was there anybody that stood out it's like oh god i can't wait till we get to the kiss scene in this <laughs> oh wow who mm. was it that was really good Oh yeah, Jimmy Garner. Ooh. Oh yes, he Ooh. he was he was rather wonderful. Ooh. And as I recall, um, Burt Reynolds. Oh, <gasps> pretty good. I love Burt. <laughs> oh God, pretty good. I just went to uh, uh, his memorial statue dedication. Mm -hmm at uh what's it called forever hollywood forever, hollywood forever. Mm. and uh his uh beautiful one-time wife was there lonnie and anderson lonnie yes mm. and uh, of course she's famous for those lips anyway so <laughs> I, between the two of them boy they could have kissed away a year on one kiss <laughs> okay so let's go back so you kind of made your film debut in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which went on to be nominated for an Academy Award. How did that happen? How did you get that role? I, the agent that I mentioned before uh, called, I had gone up with my high school dance teacher to a symposium in Idlewild, California. Uh, USC has an arts foundation up there that is really wonderful. Mm. I can't say enough about it. And they have little studios out in the in the woods and a studio being a lean to where you might see somebody practicing the piccolo or the violin or a guitar or whatever. And then they have dance classes. 
So I went up with her and I got a call and came back down the mountainside for to come in to audition for Seven Brides. And so I went to the audition. My mother went into the church across the street from the casting department in uh, at Metro. And I went in and I danced up a storm for the choreographer, Michael Kidd, and, and of course our, our director, Stanley Donan. And they said, okay, that's fine. How about a little jazz? And I kind of did whatever little jazz I did in my leotard and, you know, cute little perky ass in those days. And, <laughs> and then they said, could you do something folksy? Well, folksy to me is a good old Lithuanian polka. <laughs> so I polkaed up a storm. And like I say in the book, I don't know whether it was my polka or my mother's prayers, but I got the job and was teamed with Matt Maddox, who uh, was just one of the best dancers in the world. And every day, and those days, honey, we were six days a week, not five days a week working. Wow. It was a one day weekend. And uh, we rehearsed for at least six weeks, the dance sequences for, for the shoot. And Matt Maddox was just one of the brilliant dancers and at the ballet bar every morning, B-A-R-R-E. I, I would be doing the plies and the stretches and all of that and wondering how the hell I, this little 16 year old going on 17 twerp, got this part dancing with some of the best dancers in America. Wow. And I was so grateful. So I think mom's prayers had something to do with it too. But, you know, we all remain friends and Julie is, is a friend of mine to this day, Julie Newmar. The rest of the girls have now all gone except for one girl that I have not kept track of. I don't know whether she stayed in the business or not, but uh, she was a darling, pretty little girl. But uh, Julie and I have remained friends forever. She's gorgeous. Also, I had the pleasure of meeting her at Rip's uh, Memorial a couple oh, of years yes. ago. Yeah. How, yes. how did you meet Debbie? How did that happen? Well, I joined the Thalians. I dated a fellow who took me to see the first Thalian show I ever went to. And it was a takeoff of Anna and the King of Siam. And uh, Muriel, Muriel Martins, is it? I can't remember. Uh, who was five by five was playing Anna. <laughs> and darling... Um, oh God, uh, uh, Donald O'Connor was playing the Aww. king. And the Crosby boys were the Thai children. It was an amazing production. You can imagine how funny that was. And I said to my date who had been one of the founding members, this is extraordinary. I mean, this is extraordinary. I wanna be part of this group. And so I joined the group and we used to have meetings on occasion that Debbie would attend. And then I got elected to the board. And so being a board member, I would be invited to Debbie's house where the board would meet on occasion. And Debbie would give me assignments. And she liked the fact that I put my effort, my energy and my time and money beyond where my mouth was and did whatever I was supposed to do. And she was the one that said to me and taught me something that has stayed with me forever. And she said, 
you know, darling, you can ask anybody in this world for anything that they've got to give if it isn't for yourself, if it's for somebody else, if it's to help something or somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I've never forgotten that. And she would say, all right, go to Roosters. My husband buys me all kinds of jewelry there. Go tell them we need a gift for Frank Sinatra for, for doing the show. Go tell them that you need something for the auction. Go get some cufflinks, go get earrings, go in. Now go over to the, the candy place that, that I frequent and tell them that you need. And she'd send me around and I'd come back and I'd report to her. Well, that's how we became friends. And then what she really did that changed my life, and I don't know whether to love her or hate her for it. <laughs> One day uh, at a meeting, we were kicking around who we would want to have as, as president. Uh, darling Hugh O'Brien had been president, Margaret Whiting had been president, Donald O'Connor had been president, Debbie had been president, and Donald was on the road too much, and so he was not a good president. They were looking for a new president. And at a board meeting, Debbie said, why don't we just invite Ruta to be president? She's doing all the work anyway, et cetera, et cetera. And the board went for it and I was elected president on the first go round. And it of course changed my life because I was then truly trapped, <laughs> <laughs> terribly, terribly involved. And Debbie and I really with the help of some wonderful people, uh, Jack Haley Jr. and mm -hmm. Jimmy Baker, we produced some of the most incredible shows honoring the most incredible people. And, you know, I stop and think of who came and who participated in these comedy reinventions of, of movies or whatever. We did extraordinary shows. I mean, our, our last big one, uh, a, a, a stage show that we did was for Mickey Rooney. And this was like an all-girl uh, USO canteen show that we did for him. The one before that was for... Um, Clint Eastwood. It took me 20 years to get Clint Eastwood. Wow. And I called him one day and said, look, I've tried and tried and tried. My birthday is coming up, which is May the 30th. And I want you to give me a birthday present. I want you to tell me that you're going to be our honoree and we will build a show around you. All you have to do is come looking handsome, wave hello to the, the, the guests and then sit back and enjoy a lovely evening of music and laughter and song and dance all dedicated to you and he said okay i want you to give me a birthday present mine is the 31st of may tell me that i don't have to come <laughs> and i said listen you little shit <laughs> you have to come and he did and he was the most gracious wonderful man but stop and think of the stars from from Gene Kelly, through Fred Astaire, through Betty Davis, through uh, Whoopi Goldberg, you know, we had wow. these fabulous people came. And, and some of them were nice enough, like Frank Sinatra picked up the tab for the entire orchestra. You know, uh, uh, somebody else came wow. along and sent a beautiful wow. $5,000, you know, a donation to the Thalians while they were an honoree. I, I just, I find that astounding, you know. And I'm so proud of the fact that we actors have done this 
And we actors are called on and singers, performers, I shouldn't just say actors, performers, right. are called on by every do-good organization in the world to make an appearance. Right. And do, and we give away time after time, the only thing we have to sell. So I'm proud of all of us, Vicki, you included. Well, oh, don't be proud of me, but thank you. I'll, I'll, um, I'll ride on your coattail, on your fabulous glittery coattails. Um, so, so Ruta, you did a ton of TV also. And for oh, me, yeah. uh, some of my favorites was your Perry Mason appearances, which I loved Perry Mason. Was that, was all the TV stuff fun? Was it, you were doing so much of it. Um, yeah, it was was I, it I love, I loved everything. I loved being on every set, especially if the leading people had wild, wonderful senses of humor and were able to laugh because the work is hard. I don't think people who are not in the industry recognize how difficult it is to repeat the same scene, mm. maybe 40 times, mm. handling the same things the same way with the same look in whatever direction and matching it no matter how many times you do it. People don't realize it all runs so smoothly. It's hard work, but boy, if you can laugh your way through it, it's wonderful. People who sell insurance or cars or shoes don't have the laughs that we in show business have because the showbiz stories are such fun. Oh. How, how was it? You did a lot of game shows too, High Rollers with Alex Trebek. You did a lot of match game. You did Hollywood Squares. How, was that as fun as it looked? I mean, because that's- Absolutely, absolutely. I just love them. I love games. And you know who loved games more than anybody? Lucille Ball. We really? used to go over to her house to play charades. She wow. loved charades until she got wrapped up in that card game. Uh, what the hell is it called? Backgammon. Backgammon. Yeah, she oh. loved that. But anyway, um, we used to, oh God, what fun. Just stop and think that I used to play charades with all kinds of stars, oh, including Carol Burnett and, I, and at, Cara, at uh, Lucy's house. You know, it was wonderful fun. But what I really loved more than even playing the game and winning if I could <laughs> uh, was the fact that the game shows and the talk shows introduced me, Ruta Lee, as myself to America or England or Canada or wherever the show was playing. Right. Which was wonderful. It didn't introduce me as, as the hooker with the heart of gold teeth <laughs> on a Western or, or the, the, the mother of two disappearing children or, you know, that's in a, in a trauma. It, it introduced me as me. And I was so happy and so grateful to this day as I am now to be welcomed into somebody's living room or kitchen or bathroom if they're rich or bedroom. <laughs> You know, tell, what it, okay, so speaking of that, tell me about Johnny Carson and uh, another hero of mine. What was it like to, uh, that must have been a thrill to be on the Johnny Carson show. Oh, yes. I used to do it. I, I'd often guessed if I was appearing in New York somewhere, uh, either a game show or a television show or on stage somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. in close proximity. And uh, so I did the show a lot of times and one time, this is the first time I've talked about it on television. I was doing the show and you know how you can go up on something and not remember. And I was singing a lyric and it was, 
I can't even remember what show it's from, but it was, hey, buzz below, up is where to go, up with which below can't compare with the ding dong dong. I couldn't remember the lyrics. Oh, I went, dong dong dong. And I figure everybody at home is going to think their TV set went wacky. <laughs> the sound went. So that God love John, I don't think he was even aware of it when I was, but he followed the adventure of getting my grandmother out of the Soviet Union. Like, the oh, please tell called. that story. What an oh, amazing it's too long. story. <laughs> it's All right. So, but you, but you, but many years after your, your grandmother was inside, was she in Siberia? She spent 50 years in Siberia, then was allowed to either stay in what she had in Siberia or could go back to Lithuania. Well, of course she chose to go back to Lithuania and find what family had not been deported. So many of them had been deported. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine, not, not the intelligentsia of Lithuania, not writers, not teachers, not, not professors, not artists, not poets, but little farm people that didn't have a pot to pee in. Mm -hmm. You know, th th this is amazing, but it was all part, I guess, of the restructuring of all of those satellite countries like Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Poland. They mm -hmm. were shipping the folk off to Siberia and mm -hmm. replacing them with Russians. So everything was Russified, you know. Right, right. And I just, uh, I, I can't get over that. I just thank God that she was permitted. Well, of course I thank the press and James Bacon did a story when I was going, when I got permission to come to Lithuania, it's a long story you can read about. But James Bacon did a story because my publicist said, you know, you're going to an Iron Curtain country. You're taking your mother and father. You've been told not to, that they could detain them. God only knows what could happen. Somebody has to know where you are. So she called on Jimmy Bacon, whom you may remember was the head of Hollywood AP and UPI wire services. And he did a beautiful story that I didn't read because I was already on my way having gotten permission to go to Lithuania. And it hit every major headline everywhere in every newspaper wow. in the world. Wow! And so of course, what could the Soviet authorities do but be very nice to me and give me permission to bring my grandmother home to Lithuania. And honey, she got off the plane when I brought her. I want everybody to read this story, please, in my book, please. If for no other reason, the chapter on Russia, Lithuania, and my grandmother, and bringing her home to the United States. They didn't have jetways then, this was in 64. And she walked down the stairs in her little babushka and my little sweater that I'd sent her in a little black skirt and, and little black shoes that I'd sent her. And she walked down the stairs and she dropped to her knees on the tarmac. And she said, Allo America. Ah, it's awful, but it, I swear I've told the story a thousand times and I, I'm brought to tears every time. She wanted so badly to be in America and she got to spend the last 
two years, two months, and two days of her life here. And you talk about Johnny Carson. I was doing Johnny Carson's show in New York because I was doing a play over in New Jersey, I think. And the producer came into me and said, Ruta, I've got some terrible news. I don't know that you're gonna to wanna to do the show tonight. Your grandmother just died. Oh, oh. And I said, you bet I'll do the show. Mm. This is the show that welcomed her to America. Mm. This is the show that followed it like the perils of Pauline. These are the people that sent her little notes and welcome oh. things and little gifts and little handkerchiefs and earrings and things. You bet I'm gonna go on and I'm going to talk about how wonderful and, and how important this show was to my having my grandmother. Uh, Ruta, I promised you that I was gonna honor your time and I'm gonna honor that and we're right there, but I have so many more. I wanna talk about your husband. I wanna talk about the unsinkable Molly Brown. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to Harlan. I'm gonna get you back when it works Is tomorrow too soon? <laughs> <laughs> I just adore you. You are as gorgeous inside as you are outside. I am so moved to meet you and so thrilled to know you just a little bit. And well, I'm my darling girl, I feel exactly the same way. I have a new best friend. Yes, I can't wait to sip and sup with you. And, yes. and Harlan will be jealous and want to join us, but then he's in your neighborhood. He's yeah. very close to you. So we'll, <laughs> well die. Maybe we'll, we'll invite him. Maybe we'll very invite good. him. We might invite him. Might be kind of fun. But I thank you. Thank you for sharing your wonderful friends and audience with me. You are an adorable lady, and I thank you for being my new best friend. Mwah! To all of you, I God love, love you. Thank you so much, Ruta. Good night. <laughs>